I am a mythical Pandora, sent here to judge the universe. Do you have any idea what the weapon is? It could very well be a planet killer. I would really like to go on this mission, Admiral. Imagine having the power to annihilate entire worlds, and even the stars themselves. Humanity is worth saving. What have you done? Pandora. New episodes premiere October 4th, free next day, only on the CW app. New episodes of the hit sci-fi TV series Pandora returns to the CW starting Sunday, October 4th, and are available anytime on demand through the CW app. This sci-fi adventure show stars Priscilla Quintana and Oliver Dench as operatives for the Earthcom Intelligence Service, who stand between our universe and total annihilation. And you can find out more about the show on Unboxing Pandora, available weekly to get the behind-the-scenes story on the making of the show with special guests from the cast and crew, as well as podcast commentaries for the new episodes. Available now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Darren, I'm watching the best show on television. You want to know what it is? What is it? I think I know, but what is it? Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> yeah, and you're thinking to yourself, that's wait a second, that's not say. a TV show. It's but, not it a t- is. but it is. It, it is. is. It's a TV show because you can watch us on the Electric Now app. It's an app for streaming video podcasts as well as movies, television, and more. You can see us on demand on Electric Now. I demand it. I demand because I demand it. <laughs> Commodore Stone can watch us on the Electric Now app. And how do you get the Electric Now app? Because apparently people are having trouble understanding the concept. Just go to your app store from whatever device you're using or all of the devices you're using. And you download it to your phone, your iPad, your Roku, your whatever, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you have that streams other than a Viewmaster. You download it and, and then you watch it 100% free. There's no charge, yeah. there's no Patreon, there's no Electronic Frontier. All there is is a free app. So download the Electric Now app from your favorite app store and watch us on Electric Now. You must learn to listen to the Rebel and the Rogue or you will not be allowed to come with me to Alderaan. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, available now in hardcover, audio, and digital, wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it. Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Trexperts. Yes. Yes. Yes, we are. And we're back, baby. We're back. And you know what today is? Today is the first day of the rest of our podcasting. Indeed. Well, you know, you were making a joke, but the reality is this is the beginning of our new season That's of right. season three. Season three. Because of the huge letter writing campaign by our listeners. 
we are back for a third season. Probing the unknown reaches of space. Star Trek, coming to Fridays this fall on NBC. Unfortunately, they've slashed the budget. There are some changes. You're only allowed to listen to us uh, 10.30 on Friday nights. Uh, Our budget is slashed. We're up against uh, the Laugh-In Experts podcast. Uh, It's, uh, you know, we got some serious problems. Yep, and we got some really bad shows coming up, too. (laughs) We we decided we're going to take it down a notch. If you thought Fantasy Draft was bad, wait until you wait to see the rest of our shows this season. Our Zoom backgrounds backgrounds are going to be used over and over, and they're going to be really cheap. Yeah, but fortunately, due to the uh, Klingon Doctrine Alliance, they're now using Klingon design, so it'll be it'll be much. It, it won't be. It won't, it'll still look good, even though it's cheap. Well, I certainly right? hope so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I look. I'm sorry, but you know, we know third season is kind of lame. We, 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 we're we're going to. Well, have we a, know it's considered kind of lame. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Yeah, but it kind of is. Just, just a Whoa, minute. Whoa, who's someone. this? Hang on a second. What? Don't be dissing the third season of the original series. The third season of the original series produced some of the very best episodes of the entire series. And I don't just mean the original series. I guess I agree that there definitely was a downturn in quality, a downturn in budget, and a downturn in in good dramatic cinematography. But there are so many good episodes of season three I'll take a couple of the bad episodes if it gives me a few of the really, really, really great ones. Wow, with that, kind of, po- with, with that kind of positivity, it could only be one man in the universe. One man. That has to be Movie Mance. Yes. Scott Mance yes. joining us to see us off for the third season premiere of Inglorious Trexperts. My God, what have you done, Darren? <laughs> it wasn't me. I'm very happy to be. In fact, when I knew that Mark and Darren were going to be talking about season three. I said to Mark, I got to be on that podcast. Like Mark just got back from Bulgaria shooting season two of Pandora. And he's talking to me about Inglorious Trexperts. Like the first episode they're doing for the third season is going to be like talking about season three of the original series. And I went, I I, got to do that because I knew that you guys, you and you and you would probably like, crap all over the third season and i'm here to tell you that third season is awesome who you know do you what? think who do you think you're Wait, talking i hear to? another voice another voice I, yeah. I, if we have matter we have to have anti-matter <laughs> who is that it, it's me <laughs> oh hi it's me. Ashley. it's mirror ashley it's uh because you can tell because i have the beard <laughs> right Ashley you know Scott, Edward when Miller. i hear you talk about the third season all i can think is brain brain what is brain yeah but but when i hear the third season i think of the paradise syndrome i think of the tholian web i think of day of the dove i think of the enterprise incident those are the episodes that i think of and those yeah, are the ones- brother that I want. I think about changing oh. the channel. I think exactly. It's like, it's like, does that make up for it? I don't know. Well, look, guys, here's the thing. What's now, the thing? What uh, the thing? Hey, by the way, that's my line, number one. <laughs> <laughs> the play's the thing, where and I'll catch the conscience of the king. That's, uh, that's first season. season. Now, 
Ash, I got to ask, how old are you, Ash? Old enough to know better. Okay. 49, so, God damn it. 49. No, not. We, are all, we are all roughly the same age, give or take a couple of years. And the reason I bring that up is because when we were, were first watching Star Trek on UHF back in the 70s, mm-hmm. holding up our tape recorders to record mm-hmm. the episodes because it was before the days of VCR, we had to watch episodes like, uh, well, going back to the first season, you know, This Side of Paradise, uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday, Arena. And then you had to go through an episode like The Alternative Factor before you got to City on the Edge of Forever. So you had to watch the bad to get to the good. Yeah, but at least you got to City on the Edge of Forever. But hang on. But <laughs> it's like, where we get to Eden? Now, listen, for the third season, I agree wholeheartedly that the way to Eden and the children shall lead and the second the second half of spock's brain are terrible but you know we're now at a stage with our dvds blu-rays and definitely amazon netflix and hulu and And certain streaming services right but you don't have to watch those i don't watch the way to eat anymore i don't watch and the children shall lead i agree with you to this extent that it used to be said, or perhaps some people say, maybe it was just me, that that Star Trek is a little like sex. Even when it's bad, it's good. But much like sex. Um, I don't think you want to watch all of it on tape. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, you've got to agree that, like, okay, so, um, so Way to Eden happened. <laughs> no, it never happened to me before. Uh, really embarrassed, but, but there you go. I, your your comparison of Star Trek to sex has been made before at a yes. uh, at a at a uh, a Comic Con somewhere uh, many years ago. Uh, we realized that uh, most of the original series uh, titles were euphemisms for sexual acts. Oh, like the Paradise Syndrome. Wait, the Paradise the Syndrome Enterprises. and the Man Trap, uh, <laughs> uh, where no man has gone before. <laughs> the Cage. Is there no wow. truth in beauty? <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. As, as it all, uh, you know, when, when you look at all three seasons and, and you're able to wrap your head around the entire series, the first series, and when you read a book like The 50-Year Mission, Volume 1, the first 25 years, mm. and... <laughs> you're you, right. You know, <laughs> like that? There's a plug for you, Mark. Um Never heard of it. But you could, you know, just, it's the ultimate what if. Like, what if uh, season three got the time slot that Roddenberry wanted? And what if Roddenberry stayed on or came back as the day-to-day producer like he was for the first half of season one? I mean, that would have been a completely different show. But, you know, they gave him the 10 o'clock Friday night and Fred Freeberger stepped in and, you know, he didn't really get the show. I think that's clear. But there's some a lot might- of bad things happen. That was the year of the sideburns and the year of Fatner. I mean, come on. <laughs> Fatner. <laughs> it's like How the whole thing you. is kind of like it didn't look like the same show anymore. Um, just almost on any level. Like you can just you can watch an episode from the third season and know immediately. Well, sure. That is the third season. Just by well, the reason for that, the reason for that, Ashley, is because. First of all, you had the different uniforms 
instead yeah. of the velour, they were the, they were cotton, and they just didn't. No, they were polyester actually. Polyester, even yes. worse. They just didn't sit right on anybody. Like no. if anybody moved, you know, it would wrinkle really bad. I would say that if you're going to talk about you know Shatner's weight fluctuation, I think I think he looked worse at the end of season two than he did throughout season three. It was the shirt, it was the polyester that made him look bad. Second, the cinematography of the first two seasons by the amazing, legendary Jerry Finnerman. I mean, his cinematography is just, even by today's standards, it's, it's, it's amazing. It is just exquisite, it's poetic, it's a canvas, what he did with those first two seasons. I still remember and, the eye light on Joan Collins. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. But when you get to a few episodes into season three and Jerry Finnerman left and Al Francis stepped in and basically just turned on all the lights. Oh, my God, like a sitcom. Look, I'm going to I'm going to speak up for Al Francis. He was limited by uh, major time crunches because they cut a day of production from the episodes. So they had to be done much faster and. Sometimes that's all the time you get to just light it so you can see them. Right. And that's what right. they had to do. There, there, there was definitely, uh, a, a, after Paramount took over from Desilu, there was a, a big change in, in the uh, flexibility that they had to kind of keep going and, and try more things out. But also, also, and this is something that I mentioned in the amazing book, the 25, the 50 year mission, volume one, the first 25 years, is that here you are on a starship with 428 people and towards the end of the third season it looked like the only people on the enterprise were kirk spock mccoy and scotty and the uh, you know when you get off the bridge like there was nobody on the enterprise what if those were the only people on board (laughs) (laughs) you watch an episode like the corbomite maneuver uh when kirk is going from sickbay to the bridge and like there's so many people running around uh, during that red alert, like that felt like a, a starship. I only seen a couple of guys up there. I didn't see <laughs> no Federation. Hey, there are over 400 people on that ship. That's, That's your, your story, Buster. Buster. <laughs> but I mean, like, what, what, okay. We can all, I do agree with, with you guys that the third season just, there's a big drop in quality in, in, every way but let's look at what went right during the third season scott so, i don't know why you're arguing with me i'm on your side <laughs> i don't hate the third season i never said <laughs> i did oh good i, I love I, the third season especially comparing it to what we get today well so, i'm with <laughs> you on that <laughs> nobody take that ash at all <laughs> but okay like if you had to pick Darren, your top five episodes mm-hmm. of season three. Yeah. What would they be? Uh, Enterprise Incident. Okay. Uh, um, uh, let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Okay, good. Um, I like the Tholian Web a lot. Me too. Okay. Uh, I enjoy <laughs> Spock's brain. I'm not going to argue with you. Because it's extremely enjoyable. It's an interesting science fiction conceit. It's dumb, but it's handled really well. I mean, there's some dumb lines in it, but 
you know, you got how how cool is that? A, a race of beautiful women uh, that uh, that rule over the men who are who are uh, cavemen basically, and uh, you know they are the bringers of pain and delight. How great is that? Okay, so that's three. That's four, actually. Four. Okay. All right. Okay. And one more. Um, you know what? I have uh, I have a soft spot for and the children shall lead. Because it's so creepy. It's really creepy. Yeah, and it is. It's dumb. It's really dumb. But there are some emotional moments in that. I mean, when the when the children are shown the videos of their parents and then they're shown their grave sites, that's kind of that's a that's a moving scene. And if you can laugh and and be uh, and be moved by an episode, I think that's successful. So, you know, I mean. Sulu being afraid of knives flying at the Enterprise is kind of dumb. <laughs> admitted fully. All right. But a Ashley Edward Miller, what are your top five of season three? Who's taking over this I'm podcast? He did three and now he's doing five. He's given a countdown. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, uh, robots? <laughs> I, you know what? I would totally agree with the Enterprise incident. I think that's a great episode of. Dun, 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 dun. I also find Spock's brain enjoyable. Um, I will tell you what episode I love that is a, a guilty pleasure from third season. Uh, Spectre of the Gun. Spock, you've got something? A fact, Captain. Physical laws simply cannot be ignored. Existence cannot be without them. What do you mean, Spock? I mean, Doctor, that we are faced with a staggering contradiction. The tranquilizer you created should have been effective. It would have been effective anywhere else. Exactly. Doctor, in your opinion, what killed Mr. Chekhov? A piece of lead in his body. Wrong. His mind killed him. Well, come on, Spock. If you've got the answer, tell us. Physical reality is consistent with universal laws. Where the laws do not operate, there is no reality. All of this is unreal. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's pretty... Hey, come back, Ashley Edward Miller. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not going to differ with Darren. It definitely says go. Other selections, you know, basically because it's third season. I don't really have to. But, but, um, God, was Paradise Syndrome third season? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's right. I kind of mm -hmm. dug that. Yep. Um, yeah, because it was sideburns. It was the sideburns. Yeah. That's the dead giveaway. Uh, I don't know why. I always kind of liked that one. Um, the great yes. thing about the great thing about Spectre of the Gun is that they took a liability. The yeah. the fact that they couldn't they couldn't film it on a, an old west uh, outdoor set. They didn't have the money, so they put these flats up and made it a complete surrealistic episode that uh, that hung on the idea that the aliens had no idea what they were uh, pulling from. Yeah, and that's that's just a great way of synthesizing all that into a very strange and and fun episode. Yeah, it's well, you know, and the Malkotians to me were one of the most inventive yeah. Star Trek alien species um, that we you know we hadn't really seen before. I mean, I guess you could argue the Tholians also, but it, it, you know they were so alien yeah. the Malkotians, the floating red and green poop aliens. But also, yeah, but they were cool looking. They were yeah, cool looking. absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was it wasn't a, bu a bunch of bumpy headed, uh, forehead kind of guys. This is my I mean, friend Mel, Mel Koshin. 
Whereas you know, about- it's funny, the opposite of what Darren was saying about how they took a production liability and made it an asset is the opposite to me of like why I can't stand Paradise Syndrome because Paradise Syndrome is shot entirely on location. Mm-hmm. They built this beautiful, beautiful obelisk yeah. for that. Episode. And I'm like, they had everything to make a great episode. It's like, it's one of the few episodes that's on location that season. They have this great prop. They built this great interior set for the, you know, inside the obelisk. It's like, wow, this could be a really great episode. And then they did this dopey Kirk love story where he gets amnesia, which is, you know, right next to the the Charlie's Angels having to land the plane or the A-team having to land the plane is one of those things I hate the most, you know, the amnesia. I don't know who I am. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like, like the next thing you know, they're doing this evil twin. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Hang on. Actually, but you know what, though? I think. Look, I'm going to totally cop to what you're saying about the Paradise Syndrome as a story. I think what appealed to me, because remember, I'm like watching all this stuff and I'm a tiny little guy, is I always kind of liked the episodes where they were on location or there was some really cool design element. And I think that was the thing about Paradise Syndrome. It sort of felt like something real was happening in a, in a strange way. out of my way, Salish. Even though you be a god, Kirak, I cannot permit this joining. Nobody's asking for your permission. Then you must strike me dead. I have no intention of striking you dead. You bleed. Bleed, Kirak. Behold a god who bleeds. The thing about Spectre of the Gun, so... I, I I'll go further at that than it that it's a that it's a guilty pleasure because it's in my top five. Mm. The reason for that being is well, first of all, everything you just said about the surrealism of the uh, way the way the episode was directed, Darren, I completely agree. Um, second, so it was written by Gene Kuhn mm-hmm. under the pseudonym Lee Cronin mm-hmm. because yeah, you know, that was the only way he was going to be able to write for Star Trek after he theoretically left the show. But if you look at Spectre of the Gun, and then you look at Arena, this which was also written by uh, Gene Kuhn from a story by, I think, Carrie Wilbur, that there's a lot of similarities going on there and the way that humanity was tested. And just like Kirk didn't kill the Gorn in Arena and that impressed the uh, Metrons, he did not kill the Earps, and that impressed the Malkotians. There's a lot. Of, there's a parallel to those two stories, of course, because you know Kuhn wrote them both. But Paradise Syndrome, I understand, Mark, why you wouldn't like that episode because you know the amnesia thing feels like an easy gimmick. But regardless, I still felt like the reason that episode worked for me is that even in a 50-minute episode, I still felt the passage of time that the Enterprise was just creeping right behind the asteroid all the way to the planet, and that Kirk was there long enough to really, really uh, blend in with the natives. Uh, And he was going to be a dad, you know? And it's a heartbreaking episode, and the score is gorgeous. You just realize it's the inner light of the original series. I was just thinking that. And you stole it from my mind. You reached into my very thoughts and pulled them out. My thoughts to your thoughts. 
I, I did want to mention something, though, um, and I completely forgot it. So swing around back when you're done talking. Okay. I was just going to say my other favorites of uh, season three were, were definitely Spectre of the Gun, Paradise Syndrome, uh, Day of the Dove mm-hmm. is, a, is a big one. Uh, the Tholian Web is yep. another big one. And, and there's an episode that when I, was, when I was a kid and growing up, I didn't think much of it. But in more recent years, I, uh, I know what it to... is. What is it? Go ahead. It's a gem of an episode. <laughs> no, no, no. It is really? not the empath. Well, it's not the empath. It's all our yesterdays. Ah. Um, otherwise known as photo novel number six. <laughs> I have one thing to say to you, Scott. Which, which? <laughs> that is great. Listen, all of the drama, <laughs> all of the drama that went on. The uh, stuff with, between Kirk, uh, between Spock and McCoy and Zarabeth is very good. Yes, the rest is. of it not so much. Uh, I, I, I love the scene in the you know the the Kirk part of the storyline when the uh, uh, the the head guy the prefect goes into, yeah, the prefect the he goes in and he and Kirk's like I was in, I was just in the library and the, the look on his face and he goes what he hurt my lord were all of my friends on the other side of the wall. In the library, in the library, like it's such a great moment. It's such a great moment. But I you're right. The one. drama between between Spock and McCoy, the acting between those guys, Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, those two guys were at the top of their game yeah. when they were arguing. Is don't call me that. I don't like it. I don't think I ever did. What's happening to you, Spock? And Nothing Spock, that should have happened a long time ago. Spock gets to have hot. Meat eating animal love with Zarabeth. <laughs> Meat eating. <laughs> it's it's good. What I was thinking about before <laughs> was the... an impossible burger after that. I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what what I was thinking about before was the only successful Dr. McCoy love story. It's eleven words, and they are for the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky. There you go. Um, it's not a perfect episode. It's kind of it's kind of lopsided. There's some goofy things that happen in it, but it's a great story that that focuses around McCoy and his uh, his bout with the xenopolisathemia. I think is that's, that's the, it. That's the there's uh, no cure, and there is no cure, and so McCoy is doomed. So he has the choice to uh, to uh, live with the Fabrini on their uh, on their doomed asteroid until they fix it. Uh, and it's it's a great story. It's uh, you know it's yet another uh, uh, Kirk and Spock and McCoy visit uh, visit the planet and ruin their religion and screw <laughs> up their lives. So, uh, but it's uh, it's a it's a good story. It's interesting. It it unfolds rather well, and uh, I, I enjoy it very much. Yeah, the, the other thing about uh, about the third season is, you know, Spock's brain. Which, which just because of, because of history now, it, it has gotten this this ridicule for being the worst Star Trek yeah. episode of them all, and it's not. God no, it's no. not. It's not. God. But but here's we all know better now. Now here's the thing about Spock's brain. So, Freeburger didn't like the comedy that they were doing in the second season of Star Trek. So he didn't like a piece of the action. He didn't like uh, Trouble Tribbles or I Mud, and he did not. He must not have liked the second half of By Any Other Name. Now, the reason I bring that up is because for the first half 
of Spock's brain, it was a serious story. Yeah, it's played and completely straight. It was, it, it, right, they played it completely straight. But the, for the second half, it was supposed to turn into something more humorous. Right. And the reason I brought up By Any Other Name is because the first half of By Any Other Name is great. Mm-hmm. It is like there's a lot of action. The stakes are really freaking high. And, you know, that the end of Act Two, where they're approaching the uh, energy barrier and yeah. Kirk has to decide is it going to destroy the ship. But then after they make it through, it turns into a comedy. And that episode it gets, was directed. Drunk Scotty. Right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it's green. Um, but the second half of By Any Other Name turns into a comedy, and that episode was directed by Mark Daniels. Right. Mark Daniels directed Spock's Brain, and that was the last episode of Star Trek he would ever direct. Right. You've got him on complete life support. Was he dead? Jim. Come on, Bones, what's the mystery? His brain is gone. What did you do with Spock's brain? Brain and brain! What is brain? This fellow is keeping us from our property. Go away. You must not take the controller away. We will all die. What am I supposed to do? I can't remember. He's dying and I can't stop it. I wonder how that happened. No, uh, look, <laughs> I really dig Spock's brain because I find it very entertaining, but I think the word you're looking for um, and to describe that second half is camp, yeah. right? Like, because I don't think that it's, it's funny in the same way that the second half of By Any Other Name is funny, right? Like, because I'm amused by Scotty, but it's green. You know, I... <laughs> that tickles me, but you know, Spock's brain turns candy, and that's okay because it's entertaining camp as opposed to you know, Way to Eden, which is just boring, annoying camp. Um, which sounds like a camp you just don't want to go to. Yeah, I, I went to boring, uh, annoying camp one yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. It was like kind of a sleepaway camp. It was, uh, yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of this Way to Eden, but you know, one of our viewers, we talked about this on the show before. Um, pointed out that there is something interesting at the heart of the way to Eden, which is the idea that the counterculture, in this case in the 23rd century, which was a thinly veiled version of hippies in 1969, um, was rebelling against technology, um, destroying our lives. And in a way, the story was sort of prescient in that technology is kind of destroying our lives. And um, it didn't really examine it in a very cogent way, obviously, because it became more about the Chekhov love story and about, you know, uh, Dr. Severin with the weird ears. Um, There is something intriguing in the notion of the way to Eden. It's just not executed particularly. His name was Adam. (laughs) gonna flip my fiddle and jump for joy i got a clean bill of health from dr mccoy <laughs> and it got great songs I'm having ptsd flashbacks right now thank you very much uh, Mark, all I it does not it does not have great songs <laughs> yay brother <laughs> also also spock's brain going back to spock's brain had a great score and 
it was the only time you had the rear projection for the the, the, uh, the front view screen on the uh, bridge of the Enterprise. It, it wasn't the only time. Also, an Enterprise incident. Oh, they okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it just it looked great. It absolutely like, did. Do it with more. It looks really good. And Spock's brain is great. Yeah. When she shows up on the bridge and freezes oh. everyone, has that cool thing on her wrist, right. and oh. then she abducts Spock. I mean, that, that's like creepy. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you think, okay, this is going to be a really cool episode. And as you guys alluded to, I wouldn't say it's a cool episode. No. But it's a gonzo episode. Yeah, it's never boring. <laughs> and it's never boring. It's very watchable, as ludicrous as it may be. And as Scott, uh, I'm going to point out, it, it, this was another episode that was dealing with something very contemporaneous, which was the idea of the first heart transplant, I believe, at the time. And so the brain transplant was kind of an extrapolation on what was going on in the late 60s, dealing with the, the you know, transplantation of vital organs. Um, but of course, it was done in a really absurd way when you have, you know, Leonard encased in the computer explaining to Dr. McCoy how to reconnect his brain to his body and him walking around as a zombie. Which is it's fun. But it is fun. I mean, it's fun in a way that masks isn't fun. It's fun in a way <laughs> that night terrors is not fun. You know, and I could I could also mention a few other episodes, but I'm not going to. Or but, entire uh, seasons. What? Or entire, entire seasons. <laughs> so, so, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to do an imitation of an episode, and I want you to tell me what episode it is. Are you ready? All right. All right. Okay. Watch. This only works on the video version of this podcast. If I can go back far enough. Okay. Can you tell like what episode this is supposed to be? Lights of Zatar. No, you're in the Tholian web. I am in the Tholian web. Really? Yes. Yes, we'd all like to see Ashley Miller. <laughs> I have a message for the two of you that I want you to listen to. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you brought up so how Spock's brain was uh, sort of tying into the heart transplant and you talk about the way to Eden is uh, about the hippies of the late 60s. So sure, Star Trek has always been, at least the original series, had, had always been praised for reflecting the times. Now, the first two seasons of that show, the better episodes that did that did it in a way that was far more subtle. Absolutely. You have the counterculture of this side of paradise. You have uh, the Vietnam War reflected in uh, the a private little war. Of course, you have uh, the Cold War reflected in Erin uh, of Mercy, you know, right. subtly. So by the third season, subtlety went subtlety out the window. Subtlety was out the window. They couldn't afford subtlety. <laughs> it wasn't in the budget. Yeah, subtlety went out the window along with Jerry Finnerman. Um, so, but, but, so... And Darren, and I, I had a, a a conversation with you through Facebook when this uh, when this happened over the summer, over the summer, or you know, uh, in the beginning of the summer, when the protests broke out over George Floyd and the police mm -hmm. brutality, that people uh, were 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 reflecting back on how Star Trek examined that in "Let That Be Your Last Battlefield." Nothing subtle about that episode at all. But Frank Gorshin in particular in that episode was was magnificent. And you know, if even though it's so on the nose, 
if a, if a show like that, if an episode like that can be praised for reflecting the times and for being still relevant, as relevant in 2020 as it was in 1969, then I, I think that's a good thing. Well, I think you have to take it for face value. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. I, I love the scene on the bridge when Kirk uh, starts uh, the, the the struck sequence. Absolutely. You know that they reuse for Trek Three. I, that whole the way that the way that whole scene is shot with the close ups on the eyes and on the mouth and you know on the sweat and you know the uh, Chekhov and Sulu and Uhura looking at each other. I mean, and Kirk is just freaking cool as a cucumber, yeah. just being like, "This is my ship." It goes where I will it to go. It's my, you know, I get the final order here, right. Bucko. That, that, I think that, in a way, is the the uh, the reason you can't make an indictment of season three across the board. Because no matter how bad some some of these episodes are, there's always something really good about yeah. them. You know, but, there's no episode that is irredeemably bad. Turn about Intruder. Watchable. No, even in Insurance About Intruder, there's some good scenes oh. and uh, a great performance uh, by uh, by Shatner. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, even as laughable it is, the whole mutiny scene, mm-hmm. you know, play back the conversation in the hall. It's mutiny. You know, you obey my orders. I mean, it's still, you it's obey my orders. still again, audacious in terms of the premise. It's so crazy yeah. that you can't just dismiss that out of hand and say, oh, this is just another, you know, they're not like repeating a cliche that we've seen a million times. They're doing something and failing, but they're, you know, they're failing miserably, which is what makes it so, you know, like a train wreck you can't turn away from. What does your telepathic mind tell you now? I believe you. I shall not withdraw a single charge that I have made, and I shall do everything in my power against you. It's mutiny! Dr. McCoy, sorry, but I'm going to have to take you off the case. On this ship, my medical authority is final. I won't allow it. It's done. Security guard! Attention all personnel. First Officer Spock has been placed under arrest on the charge of mutiny. Then, Doctor, that's the time we move against him. We'll have to take over the ship. We're talking about mutiny, Scotty. That's enough. We know what was said. Enough to convict you of conspiracy with mutineers. And you're so charged. The sentence, death. The execution will be immediate. The destruct scene is, is, is awesome. Except that, and it's okay, it's relevant, sure. But it is possible to be relevant have a great scene and still just not be a very good episode like for to, to me for for so long let that be your last battlefield encapsulated everything that was wrong um with kind of the read of of star trek as as being um you know um uh, uh, parables you know for our time like look every episode of star trek and it's in its own way when star trek is great is, I, I, is relevant I, I, is, is is a parable for for us right but that episode was so, it wasn't just on the nose, Scott. It grabbed you by the shirt collar and it punched you in the nose and just kept punching you in the nose until one like, half of your face was up was your nose. The other half was white and like not in a good way. Break you know? it on. Listen, Ash, when Kirk says he sits in his chair, he looks at Beale and he says, I 
will destroy, destroy it. it. It is a like this is his freaking ship. Yeah. Like it is such a great scene. You know, look, and I, I would argue that not you know, yes, the, the whole black and white cookie thing. You know, I'm white on the one side, black on the other. Yes, we we know that it's goofy and and as Darren said, very in your face. But what actually does resonate, I think, more so than this, you know, sort of idea is the very end where they can't let go of their hate, even after they find out that their planet has been destroyed and they're still chasing other, you know, to the rings of Nivea or what, you know, the rings of Nivea and through Samsung and Terry's flames. But they, you know, they won't give up the hate. They won't give up, you know. Uh, you know, the, the whole, the pursuit, even though their entire civilization has been destroyed. And to me, that's much more impactful and, you know, in a way more relevant again, perhaps to today than any fair point, um, than even the black on one side, white on the other, you know, uh, idea. Let's talk about another one of these uh, episodes. This is a little on the nose, but it has a great sort of sci-fi hook to it. Wink of an eye. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good, good episode. It's very solid. The the idea of uh, an accelerated race who basically are taken out of time and space uh, by their acceleration is a really great sci-fi idea. And the way they show it in the in the episode with uh, you know Scotty just starting to slow down and go. Oh, it's so good. It's, yeah, it's great. You know what the best is, Darren. I don't know if you were around for that. I think you were. We were at Comic-Con, right? And we have mutual friends that are good friends with Lee Merriweather, who is totally game and awesome and fantastic. And, you know, we're talking and she was, you know, asking some questions about, you know, we're just telling her a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, I do TV and blah, 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 and, 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 and some of the other people. And, you know, it came up, the obvious huge Star Trek fan. I said, you know, your greatest Catwoman, but, you know, LaCira, you know, whatever. And uh, without missing a beat, she reached forward and touched me and said, I am for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And I like jumped back. I mean, that that's how much of a sense memory it is. Uh, like, no, no, no. <laughs> and uh, it, it was so great. And she was so tame. And, uh, and it was funny because I think at some other point, you know, uh, you know, Rob ran into I was going to say, did that happen to Rob? Anyway, of course it did. Kind of the same experience. So it was it was so great. Lee Merriweather was so awesome. And I will say about that episode. Well, you're you're talking about that which survives. Yeah, that which survives. Not wink of an eye. Not wink of an eye. Oh no, I'm talking about that which survives. Yeah. You, oh, I thought you said that which survives. No, no I'm not talking about wink of an yeah. eye, which is also a crazy sci-fi premise. That's what I was saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is very, you know, like I mean, as ridiculous as it is, the idea that they've sped up all these people and um it's fun. Uh, it's did. a great fun sci-fi idea. Yep, it's a great. It's well, and especially when the security guard is injured, right? And and rapidly accelerates. Right. It's like, like that's a really nice. And just arc. the process of Spock taking the tape and hearing the buzzing on it and slowing it down. Just the yeah. process of how Spock figures it all out is he great. Reasoned it out. Yeah, he has yeah, reasoned yeah. it out. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a question. So that is a question. That there 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 was. Uh, so when Since your you have, son burned hot in space, we've awaited a question. When you look at shows today that have been on for a few years and you know they're going to go off the air, they're able to wrap it up. They're able to have a last episode right. in most cases. So the original series didn't have that luxury. 
and the last episode that we got was a was a doozy in terms of uh, its notoriety and its infamy, right. which was Turnabout Intruder. But if you could take any other episode from the third season and and have that be the last episode instead of Turnabout Intruder, hmm. like what would you flip Turnabout Intruder with oh, to yeah, have yeah. The Tholian Web. Okay, why? Because ultimately because Kirk dies in it. episode is about the relationship. Even though Kirk's not really in it, he's right. a massive presence in it that hangs over everything else. And that episode is really about why and how the crew of the Enterprise are important to each other, how they function. It's like about what this ship is about. So I would end it with the Tholian Web. That's a good That's a good one. That is a very, very good pick. And Ash, I got to say that the Tholian Web when I saw that for the first time, uh, when I was a little kid, it was uh, it was uh, in the in the winter time, so it was already dark out when uh, when Star Trek would come on on TV in, in Philadelphia, and uh, I watched that episode by myself in you know my my uh, parents uh, you know the the basement uh, where they had the big TV. Which you get out of your it. parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> it was that guy, Darren? Yes. <laughs> Oh man, on cue, Darren Doctorman. Um, that episode scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What episode would you pick, Mark? Uh, well, you know, you never asked me what my, my favorite uh, third season right. episodes are, but I'll, I'll go right to uh, I'll, I'll go right I'll go right to this. Um, it's not my favorite third season episode i do like it but I, I think that if if we couldn't rewrite it and we just need to end it with something that bookends the season better i'd go with day of the dove mm. because i feel the message of um having to work together with uh, a, a race that we considered enemies but finding common ground and that last shot of the hate that the, the hate pinwheel sort of spiraling <laughs> off leaving the enterprise leaving the klingons and the the humans yeah you know, now in some kind of uh, uh, detente, it, it would be a good way to go out. And plus, you know, they have that great speech at the end, you know, only a fool fights in a burning house. Yeah. And, uh, so, so again, not, not how I would have chosen to end the third season, but if I had a pick from these episodes, that probably would have been the one I would have picked. are now prisoners of the Klingon Empire against which you have committed a wanton act of war. Take off, sir! Maintain your post! Try to stop me, Captain. If the alien is creating these events, Captain, it is apparently capable of manipulating matter and mind. This one appears to be strengthened by violent intentions. It exists on the hate of others. You don't die yet. I now control this ship's power and life support systems. You will die of suffocation in the icy cold of space. What are your other favorites while I have you on that? Well, and I, I said this before, I said that, you know, there used to be a magazine called The Best of Trek, you know, the Trek magazine. And then they did these books, The Best of Trek. And they would always do these reader polls. And inevitably, the, these episodes would end up in the worst. And I thought they were great, you know. And one of them was Day of the Dove. One of them was Spectre of the Gun, which we've talked about already, which I think is terrific. 
which I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, and I really like, and admittedly, it's a goofy episode, Savage Curtain. I mm. think Savage Curtain is great. It gave us Colonel Green. It gave us a really fantastic alien in your neck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, we, it really a lot of canon came out of that episode. Colonel Green, who came back in Enterprise. You had um, obviously Serac, you know, which was super important mm -hmm. for a lot of canon. Um, and then you also had um, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, who turned out to be very important as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, but of course, you also had Kalis, the um, Kalis, the unforgettable, uh, 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 Kalis, the guy the, you can't uh, the, remember. Oh, unforgettable! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> jumping on my joke. Sorry, I, I, I didn't know you were going there. My, my, my I did bad. not know he was going there. Darren, what what episode would you pick? You know what? I I agree with both Ashley and Mark. It just makes me realize that, thank God, it didn't have a final episode. Yeah. Thank God, because if it had wrapped everything up, if it had put it in a lovely bow for everybody, maybe the desire for more Star Trek wouldn't have been as strong as it was. But you know what the finale was? The motion picture. The motion yeah. picture was the end of that era of Star Trek. Well, it was really the finale. It was the series finale because Star Trek Two begins a totally different Star Trek. That's true. That's a good point. That's, that's absolutely point. true. I, I just because because uh, the episode that I would pick. How do you I, vote? I actually would just get rid of Turnabout Intruder and make the last episode all our yesterdays. Right. Because Mark, you talk about the last shot of Day of the Dove being a great shot, where you know with the speech about the burning house and right. the. The energy force going off into space. All our yesterdays ends with a supernova. Exactly. The yeah. sh that last shot of the Enterprise getting the hell out of there at high warp speed, away yeah. from Sarpedon before the Nova. It's a great, it's a great metaphor for being like this, this, this special the Star thing Trek burned so brightly and yeah. then was gone. You yeah. know. But also, again, you know, I think that episode is uh, one of the three episodes that have grown for me over the years where I've gotten such a deeper, deeper appreciation from that episode. Uh, again, I, I just admiring the acting, uh, you know, and of course, the, the other episode that, that has grown for me. Which well, before you say that, because I want to talk about that, but I want to say that Ian Wolf, I think, is Mr. Atons, mm -hmm. is wonderful in that episode. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing about that episode, and then I'll let you explain what the other episode that has grown for you is. I know what it is, because we, we've done a show on it that's coming out soon. But um, but the other thing that I really um, uh, love about All Our Yesterdays is a really ingenious sci-fi premise, which is this idea of this library where they store history, and then you can put those discs into the Tavacron and go anywhere in the history of the planet. And if you look at season three, there are probably more great high concept sci-fi premises than any other season. Right. It's the execution and the use of those that's flawed, right. be, that's imperfect. Yep. Because yep. it really, is, I mean, you know, every episode we talked about, it's like, what a cool idea. All yes, a really cool idea. The plants can be destroyed, so we send the population back in time. You know, I mean, world is hollow, and I've touched the sky. They find out they're inside an asteroid that is on, you know, course of destruction that needs to have its course uh, change. It's going to crash I mean, into Darren Five. Darren Five. <laughs> <laughs> um, this so is Darren Five. 
that's an interesting press. So all these shows have really interesting premises. Now, um, my, Scott, Scott, you said there's another episode that as a kid you didn't like, but you learned to appreciate. Oh, wow. Well, there, there's two. From the, the, each, each season has an episode that I've grown to love in a very big way uh, because of their, their merits. From the first season, it's The Conscience of the King, which mm-hmm. I just think is a brilliant Shakespearean tragedy set against the backdrop of a brilliant Shakespearean tragedy. But the number one episode that, that has grown to be my number one episode is from the second season, and that, of course, is Metamorphosis, right. uh, an episode that I it is it represents Gene Kuhn at his finest as a writer. It represents Jerry Finnerman as his at his finest as a cinematographer. Uh, the music, the score by George Dooney is is extremely moving, and it's a beautiful, beautiful love story that is flipped over into a love story with the big reveal that the companion was a female in love with the man, but also that Shatner's performance, especially when he's trying to reason with the companion or we will cease to exist. Uh, I thought that was one of Shatner's very best performances from, from the original show. Agreed. I've never heard this before. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to talk about, when we, you know, that was obviously a second season episode. I thought you were going to talk about third season, another real uh, um, low-key, a beautiful, romantic uh, episode with a, a brilliant score. And we talked about it at great length in our upcoming episode, No Kidding Around, about shows that we didn't like as kids that we appreciate much more now. And of course that's the empath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's another one. I mean, I, I actually liked that a lot, you know, and I still do. What I don't get about the empath is why people don't like that episode. Like I didn't realize until, you know, I've read books, yours being one of them, Mark, you know, the 50 year mission, the first 25 <laughs> years, volume one, uh, that people didn't really love uh, the empath. I thought it was a beautiful episode. Again, it's just hard to access, right? It's by George Dooning. You have a third of the performances are coming from um, a, a woman who isn't speaking, right? So it's uh, in, in a lot of ways, you're talking about a show from the 60s, okay? Now I want you to imagine like what the biggest television was then, right? How big that sucker was, like what the penetration of like black and white versus color TVs were at the time. Um, and now you're talking about an episode where a lot of the drama depends on pure cinema, right? That you have to execute like on a TV budget. And I just don't know that um, that until recently, storytelling like that truly translated into the into the medium, into the way that we have to to watch it. Because right. I do think it's a beautiful episode. I think it's great, but I had a hard time. It's hard to latch on to. Yeah, it really is because it doesn't really have a very good structure to it mm-hmm. and it doesn't really set up anything very well and the aliens are kind of boring and we don't really get a, an idea of what the hell they're doing until way near the end right and well, that's and, good. and it still but it, it doesn't really make sense i mean see i thought the viands were very like i was i was afraid of them not just because of the way they looked but they, they they're torturing these people yeah, and it, it seemed it seemed more like something out of the outer limits than Star Trek. And you can't hook into that emotionally if if we can't hook to the performance. Like I think that's why I kind of dig it now more because I'm sitting around watching it like on my you know big ass fifty inch 
screen. And I'm like, right. okay, because, and, and now it's, it's more about what's happening in that performance. And there's more emotional content to it that makes me think less about the plot and care less about that. When we can't access that, then suddenly like all those structural concerns are a much bigger deal. It's mm -hmm. it's super it's hard. like a theater piece, right? But it's it, like you know, it like a theater absolutely. piece. Yeah, but the, the, the surrealism that that we talked about for Specter of the Gun, I think, is right there in in the Empath as well. It is, but it isn't as fulfilling. I, I agree with you. It definitely is better executed in Specter of the yeah. Gun, but also the the payoff of that episode when they're on the bridge, and Kirk is, you know, trying to wrap his head around everything about the the uh, possibilities of coming across Jem's planet and, you know, Scotty saying uh, she was a girl, a, a, a girl of great price, a pearl of great price, a pearl of great price. The girl you of know, great price is um, a completely different episode. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. She was a pearl of great price. So, you know, do you not know the story of the merchant and, you know, there's a, a coda with the, with the score by George Dooney, who also did the score for metamorphosis that, uh, it's just kind of wraps it up on such an unexpectedly emotional note. And this was after 45 minutes of uh, torture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's interesting because it really was a Shatner-esque season. There wasn't a lot for Leonard. He was notoriously unhappy during this. You know, Freiberger thought it was a, this was a star vehicle. And so you have something like they do Taming of the Shrew, you know, as a lot of Troyes. Mm -hmm. But it's not with it again. Another episode that's not great. We, you see its roots, you know, the Pygmalion of it all. But it has but, great um, moments. But it has great moments. It has, you know, uh, uh, if you put aside those awful costumes right. uh, on the Troyans, but um, but Friday's Child had awful costumes too, right. and it didn't ruin that episode much. But um, you know, she's great. Francis Newman is great, and uh, the fact that they realize that the crystals are the lithium crystals and. Um, there's, and, and ultimately Shatner is able to break the, the out of Kirk is able to break the, her the spell, spell right. because of the ship because the ship is in danger, his true love now I and, know why it's called she <laughs> and it, it's really, uh, you know, it's really great so even again, not a great episode but certainly I think one of the reasons that made Captain Kirk you know, I, I an iconic hero I know you guys don't really like this episode, or at least Mark doesn't uh, but I still enjoy a lot of Requiem for Methuselah. Yeah, God, me too. Oh my God, yeah. I'm not a fan of that one. I know you're not. Um, <laughs> but I really like it. I really love the conceit of uh, Flint as a character, as a, 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 a an immortal who has gone through ages and ages of, of uh, human life and being so many different uh, creative uh, people. And uh, I just premise. found that Organic, very, yeah, very exciting and very fun. And uh, yeah, the, the Android thing is kind of wacky, but um, I still think that it has some great emotional moments and some of them, most of them unearned. But uh, the fact that you get to have Captain Kirk looking through into the bridge of the tiny Enterprise uh, <laughs> is, it, you know, beats, beats a lot of uh, troubles with it. I, well, I'll take I'll raise you one. Um, Mark of Gideon, another yeah. not very good episode, but again, fantastic story for right. Kirk. Um, you know, obviously a thinly veiled look at the overpopulation uh, problem taken to a ridiculous extreme. Right. Hoden is, is you know, uh, terrific. And when they keep lying to Spock and they're trying to figure out this mystery of what happened to Captain Kirk and the, the, the musical coordinates, 
um, that they keep changing. Right. It's, it's really, a, you know, a, a delicious kind of kind of mystery. And um, uh, it, it's nice. It gives Spock and Scotty a little bit of uh, something to figure out. And it's not, look, by any means a great episode, but also a little creepy when they look out the porthole and yeah. see all the people wandering around bumping into each other. Yeah. Um, so uh, and, and she's terrific, uh, who plays Odonna. Yeah. And the, the, she's willing to sacrifice her life to save her people. I, I thought the teaser for that episode was great. Yeah. The teaser was great. That Kirk is alone. With, what, what, where, where did everybody go? Right. But, you know, it just, the, the episode didn't go. It just went off in the wrong direction from there. Yeah. Uh, the episode that that I enjoy very much, I mean, it's not on the level of the uh, Tholian web or something like that, but it's it's just entertaining is the cloud minders. Uh, I think that's, you know, again, uh, a relevant episode for 69 and 2020. Uh, I but thought uh, again, classes. so on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, it's, it's like, I, Vana and Droxine were, you know, Vana especially was, uh, was a great character. Uh, I just, I just thought uh, it was fun. It was entertaining. The lovely Droxine. Droxine. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, crush it on Spock. That was awesome. Uh, you know, I was saying, if you're going to deal with episodes that are addressing sort of the class struggle, again, sort of a very relevant thing today, uh, Plato's stepchildren also dealt with it uh-huh. in a way. And that I think what it's dealing with gets overshadowed time and time again by this whole, oh, it's the first interracial kiss, right. which is great. Right. But there's so much more going on there about these people who just treat everyone else as disposable. Right. And, you know, of course, the whole, uh, you know, extolling Michael Dunn, you know, of having as a dwarf who has, you know, incredible value that is overlooked by the Platonians, you know, who who think that they're better than everyone um, because they have these uh, these powers. In a way, it's sort of the boys. I don't know if you watch Amazon mm-hmm. uh, as the boys where the superheroes get these powers and, you know, become so enamored with themselves. It's kind of like, yeah, it's not even natural. They've been, you know, sort of. Uh, Given these steroids, the, pl- plato- the Platonians. But, and, but the, the and best part of that powers. episode, the best part of that episode is when Alexander s- uh, says to Captain Kirk, like, uh, do people have the power when you come from? Or, I forget what he says, but I'll never forget when Kirk looked back at him and said, with just charm and confidence, where I come from, you know, race, color, uh, none of that matters. And nobody has the power, you know? Yeah. I just thought it was a beautiful scene. Like something like that, this really is what. Well, it, it's difficult to watch to see our people be uh, taken advantage of like that. Being and, made and, to flamenco dance for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so when shit, you know, Kirk and they all show up and say, and at, at ten times your power, right. you know, and they basically get to have their revenge. It's kind of like a great moment yeah. because you, you watch this whole episode cringing at what our crew is being made to do it's funny when we did free enterprise i'll never forget dan madsen who was the uh, president of the star trek fan club big star trek fan of all of ours and uh, we had him dress up at the big penultimate scene of the movie uh, as alexander right. you know because he's a little person and he, he 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 looks a little bit like michael dunn and i'll just never forget you know how he came up to me he was so appreciative to have the opportunity to do it because Michael Dunn, seeing him in that episode of Star Trek meant so much to him to say he saw somebody of my height and and, and who looked just like me, you know, and to realize he had value Mm -hmm. and that, you know, there would be a future where everybody is, you know, sort of valued for who they are and not what they look like. 
And uh, and it was so meaningful. And uh, of course, you know, it's so great for Enterprise, that moment where he comes out as Alexander and singing the Shatner uh, along with Shatner rapping. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it was a really nice moment. We've talked, we've talked about crazy uh, Federation people before, but yeah. perhaps there is no one crazier than Garth of Izar yeah. in uh, Whom Gods Destroy. Wow. Yeah. They first make cranky. The, the marvelous Steve Einat, who, uh, who played Garth, is absolutely freaking insane and He's having terrific. a great job, a great time doing it. And Batgirl is in that episode. That's right. That's Yvonne right. Craig as the lovely Marta, the uh, Orion uh, slave girl who gets yeah. uh, blown up real good. Oh, yeah. Uh, that disturbed yeah. me. Like, it it like, disturbed me too. That was a disturbing that, scene. That'll yeah. leave a mark on you when you're six years old. You're like, yeah, no, it's please level three. That's right. There's there's a lot, you know, talking now with you guys about about season three, you know, talking about the torture and the empath, talking about the humiliation that Kirk and Spock have to suffer in Plato's stepchildren, talking about Marta in Whom Gods Destroy. I would say it's a fair to say that season three is the deadliest. <laughs> Uh, and most violent season of the original series. It's the deadly year. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have to say, I mean, we started with the premise that third season's a dud, but you know, it's we're not. talking about these episodes 50 years ago. Yeah. And look at it. We just went through almost the whole season and found something really great in virtually every episode. 50 years later, look at any other show that was on that. Uh, would we be able to name... 20 episodes and, and talk uh, for an hour about their, you know, <laughs> no. I couldn't tell you anything about Lost in Space other than the pilot. Uh, that's Just because you, you haven't know, written I mean, the book yet. Yeah. I haven't written the oral history, <laughs> but when Scott uh, convinces me, I will. And, uh, and, 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 you know, look, I mean, obviously uh, I could, I could probably talk at some length about the original Batman mm -hmm. uh, series. I'm sure you could too, Darren, probably even more eloquently, but there's virtually nothing from that era of television, even the shows, you know, where, you know, we could talk for an hour about in, in, in this preserved in perfect detail, all these things that we just talked about. And so clearly even, you know, it's by comparison that third season was quote unquote bad, not because it was so awful, right. but because season because one we and season had been so spoiled by the first two seasons. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. By comparison, for sure. But, you know, taken on its own merits, season three has many merits. And, you know, the only other show from that era that I would say is, uh, you know, the, the quality is there and people are still talking about it more than 60 years later is The Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was an anthology series. It wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't to me, the, the big thing with the third season versus the first two seasons is maybe look one thing we keep coming back to is conceptually like how great some of these things are and i think that the there are two big differences in execution um number one the the stories um in the third season feel like they are a draft or two behind kind of where the, the script got in the, in the first two seasons. I think that may be partly schedule. I think that also may be that there's a difference between Gene Kuhn and Fred Freiberger. I mean, it just, it just simply is the things that right. they would do to those stories. And then, of course, as Darren pointed out, you've got one less day to shoot. 
so you know you are you're, you're dealing with material that that hasn't been honed to the degree that it had been in previous seasons and you are executing it with less time with more drama kind of like outside external drama hanging over it mm-hmm. um that yeah i mean great great stories in the third season it just i i, I just pine the for TV. the execution from the first two i would also say the great tv shows are are produced by people of great passion for these shows mm-hmm. and um you you know whether it's a Vince Gilligan or um, you know you know or Chris Carter. Um, this was a show. Gene Roddenberry, Bob Justman, Gene Kuhn. These were people who had great passion for the show. Fred Freiberger never had that. Right. He was a, a traffic cop who was brought in to make the trains run on time. And so you don't have that because producing television, as Ashley knows, as I know, is, is extremely extremely difficult. And 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 it, it 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 eats away at you, and 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 it can kill you. Yeah, you have and, and you have to love what you're doing. Right. So uh, anyway, this was great. This was great, guys. I'm going to surprise that Scott and Ashley just suddenly dropped by on our third season premiere. Thank you. <laughs> Nowhere. Third season. <laughs> I see. I, I we've been doing this for two and a half years or something, Darren. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, I never thought it would go this long. I never thought we'd have that much to talk about. Turned into a colossal waste of time. You're still talking about Star Trek? We got got 108 episodes in here. And Ashley's still a special guest star. We got to consider bumping him up to Trexburg. No, he's he's always Jonathan Harris. (laughs) I want to thank you. I want to thank you both so much for being here to usher in the third season. I know we'll see a lot more this season as we begin, uh, again and uh, maybe it won't be so bad after all <laughs> so i want to thank uh, of course um even in uh uh self-quarantine um i want to thank uh, bill ritter who continues to make a sound as good as humanly possible uh given the limitations of our um zoom uh podcast i want to thank natalie Miscali, our producer of course peter holmstrom and and, and zach raggett's our production coordinators and i want to thank my partner in crime here on the show darren doctorman for uh, keeping me honest and, 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 and doing such an amazing job. He, you know, he doesn't need me. I just show up for the free drinks because I don't know if you heard his show a couple of weeks ago with Jeff Bond and Gene Kaziki. What a great episode. You know, he, he, he should, he should just do the show. We himself. need each other, Mark. We are Badly. other. Otherwise it would just be the inglorious Trexpert and no one wants to listen to just one. Ah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Great, great. Uh, uh, gain strength through the sheriff. That's right. So, Anyway, you can listen to Joyous Trexperts every Saturday, wherever you listen to Trexperts, or watch us on Electric Now. And please check out second season of my new series, Pandora, on the CW every Sunday at 8. And until next Saturday, keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Shh. Engage. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.